Hi everyone, I'm Allie Stone and this is Discovering Hospitality. Now for most of my life, I've worked in the hospitality industry and even more specifically in restaurants. And in the past 15 years of my life, I've been a partner with the Original Joe's Franchise Group here in good old Edmonton, Alberta. And this has been such an incredible experience for me. Honestly, it's been a lifetime worth of learning and living that could have never been taught by any educational institution. And truthfully, it's provided me with the opportunities that I continue to deepen in my career as, as a leader and a coach and an entrepreneur. So if you're listening in and you're in the industry, you know that we have an incredible culture of people, stories, and experiences that don't often get shared with the world. And it's my hope that through this podcast, we can peel back some of the veil of our industry. We can peel back some of the layers of that onion, so to speak, so that the people we love that aren't necessarily a part of this industry can start to learn and see why we all love it so much. Now, this industry is all about people. It's about connection and it's about love. And if you don't love the word love, that's totally okay. Maybe interject the word care, but it truly is about connecting. Now, we have a saying in our organization with Original Joe's and State and Maine, and it's that people make the world beautiful. And I've been so lucky to be a part of that for so many years now. And now I have this incredible opportunity to share some of the amazing stories of our industry with the world, with all of you, our listeners. It's my hope that these stories will warm your heart, Uh, They might make you laugh and they might even be stories that make you cringe or think a little or change the way you see things. It's my mission to help all of you see how incredible hospitality people are and how committed they are to taking care of each other and other people. So without any further delay, let's dive into this week's podcast. I'm so excited you're here to join us. All right, welcome everybody uh, to another week of Discovering Hospitality. I am so excited to share with all of you uh, my guest today. So this is a a new person to my life, so I'm really excited to have a conversation and uh, hopefully share uh, a little bit of different thought perspective and um, what it's like to uh, maybe live somewhere else in the world (laughs) with all of the listeners today. So my guest today is Haley Cooper, and she owns a company called Wild Dreams Hospitality. And now this is a really unique company, so I'm going to let her uh, describe it. She has some very unique offerings, and I think it's very, very cool what she's doing. Um, And she also works for King's Camp. Uh, in the greater Kruger Park in South Africa. So uh, we're in completely different time zones today (laughs) recording this podcast. So welcome, Haley. Thank you so much for being here and spending some time with me today. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to chatting. 
Yes, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> so why don't we start off with you? Um, I really just like to roll these out with you sharing a little bit of your story, you know, kind of what's been your journey through hospitality and kind of what's brought you here, uh, sitting here with me today. Do you want to give us a little? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I've actually been in hospitality for 20 years now. I started when I was just 15, so I guess I'm showing my age here. But um, yeah, I am from the UK originally, so that's where my career started. And then about 12 years ago, I moved over to South Africa. So, but the whole time I've stayed in the hospitality industry and I've experienced quite a lot of different sectors within the industry, which has been really nice um, to experience lots of different things and in lots of different areas. Um, and yeah, I'm very lucky that I live in Kruger Park. So I'm surrounded by nature and wildlife. So in my opinion, there's really no better place to do my job than somewhere like this. So yeah, I really love it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit, let's start with Wild Dreams Hospitality. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and uh, what your business is all about and, and what you're currently offering? Yeah, so it started about four years ago and I initially started as only offering recruitment services within the hospitality industry. And the reason for that is, well, actually, basically, I realized I was doing recruitment for free. Um, I had a lot of friends within the industry, obviously working in lodges myself, I knew a lot of people and um, I just noticed that a lot of people were asking me, can you help me find a job um, or can you help me with my CV? Um, and then on the other hand, I had a lot of friends in management and if they were looking for staff, they would also just happen to ask me, do you know of anyone that might be suitable? And so, yeah, I realized, okay, I may as well turn this into a business because I'm basically offering a service anyway. Um, so that's how it all started. And I just really love helping people. So it's very satisfying when I actually help someone to get a job or I help an employer to find a staff member that just fits perfectly into their team. Um, so yeah, that's where it all started and I still offer that. Um, but I've also, I basically kind of looked at what my strengths are within the industry and sort of added that as services. So I also offer um, HR kind of admin help and assistance and sort of the things I offer with that are quite unique because obviously being a manager myself, I kind of understand what paperwork you need, you know, because I've been there myself where I've been like, oh my gosh, like I don't have this, this document, like how do I go about writing this? Like, you know, what are the legalities with it? So that's basically what I try and do with that. And then I also offer vegan hospitality consulting um, which is also something that I'm very passionate about being vegan myself and that is offered to really any hospitality establishments, a restaurant, lodge, hotel, uh, a wedding venue, um, anything like that and uh, yeah that, that's quite diverse. I try and tailor it to the company's requirements so it really depends on them and their clientele and what would suit them, um, but yeah, it's something that I'm very excited to be offering, not just South Africa, but I can do it worldwide um, as well. So 
so yeah, that, that pretty much sums up the, the main services. I was watching you on Instagram talking about um, all of the restaurants in South Africa that don't have any like vegan options. And, um, you know, where, where I live right now, it's a thing too. So I'm, I'm vegetarian. I'll eat a little bit okay. of, I'll have, you know, I'll, I won't, I haven't eaten pork or chicken in probably a long, long time, but I'll have a steak once in a while just because I feel like it, but yeah. yeah it's all vegetable for me. And, um, it's interesting. It's hard for me to eat out. Um, and I'm, I'm a restaurant girl, right? So I've, I've lived and eaten in restaurants my whole entire life. And then I made this shift and I feel amazing. (laughs) And I, and then I struggle to go out and have those, like, um, you know, those experiences with friends and, um eat out so I find like when I do eat out those are the nights I end up eating meat because there's not great options for me you know um to eat do do you find that um it's slow to take on in South Africa um kind of yes and no it depends on where you are um I mean you know Cape Town is very vegan friendly, there's fully vegan restaurants there. So it tends to be in the bigger cities, like anywhere in the world, I suppose. Um, But yeah, South Africa still needs a lot of help. We um, are actually apparently ranked as the 23rd country in the world that is most interested in veganism, which, you know, is is quite high, I think. So there's definitely the demand for it locally. um, And also there's been um, they've done studies to say that we are the 25th most traveled to place for vegans as well. So obviously here is like a huge, you know, tourism is our main sort of business here. So, um, yeah, I'm basically just trying to, I don't want to say convince because I think people know, you know, I don't really need to convince them, but some people need a, a bit more of a nudge than others just to say, look, this is coming. It's, a huge movement it's um, growing rapidly i believe that covid is only going to fast track it as well and um, so if places are not if they don't have options on their menus then they might run the risk of getting left behind and their competitors that do obviously take over from that so so yeah i'm just really trying to to help get veganism more mainstream yeah so I mean, I'm, I'm just having a thought as we're talking, but I, I'm willing to bet that a lot of the tourists that you're getting are animal lovers. <laughs> they don't yes. them. <laughs> yeah, we've even had guests who come here and they have gone vegetarian while being here. Um, it tends to be uh, younger people, like sort of older children. Um, and yeah, they, my boyfriend, who's also a guide, so he often takes out the people out on the safaris and he's also vegan. Um, so he will, when he guides, for example, he'll talk about an elephant and uh, he'll say, you know, he just eats plants, you know, that's where he gets his protein from and uh, look how big and strong he is, you know? So he also kind of adds in little bits of information like that. Yeah. So um, may, I, may I ask you what happened in your life to, uh, Put you on the path of being a vegan? Yeah, so um, a bit like you, I was vegetarian before that, but I wasn't like fully vegetarian every now and again. 
um, I would eat sometimes fish, sometimes meat. It would always be organic, free range meat. Um, and I actually, one day, a friend of mine just asked me, like, why do you eat mainly vegetarian? And even though I'd been doing that for years, it was the first time I actually really sat back and thought about it. Um, and then I came to the conclusion that I just didn't want to eat animals. Um, and then I combined that with, I've always been really interested in health and nutrition. So in my spare time, I would watch YouTube videos on healthy food and try and come up with creative things like that. Um, so obviously I started to see more and more vegan information out there in the world. Um, and then I actually watched one documentary called What the Health? Um, so it's very much about yeah healthy food and that side of things which is obviously what interests me and I went vegan 100% overnight so um, and I used to be a major cheese lover although I was vegetarian I probably ate cheese like every day probably twice a day I even put cheese on curry um, <laughs> which everyone thought was very weird so it was it was even though I was sort of vegetarian it was still quite a big shift for me um but but yeah it, it basically boiled down to animals and health um and obviously now i know a lot more about the environment and the impact that our choices have on that so, so yeah it was it was really a no-brainer for me yeah i found that show quite uh quite impressive too and uh, it was interesting I talked to some friends about it afterwards and people were polarized in both directions right so I found yeah. these situations with people where I was almost in like arguments I understand that somebody paid for this video and this these people are vegans and I get it but there's the things they're talking about are really important and we need to we need to know what we're doing right and yeah I think uh, it was very eye-opening for a lot of people, whether they vehemently opposed or totally agreed, it was still was eye-opening and it caused conversation. So I think that that was really, really good. Yeah, so, definitely. I mean, it was totally eye-opening for me. Like I just felt really ignorant and like I didn't know anything, but you know, I think there's a lot of documentaries out there and I know other vegans, for example, who don't like that documentary. It just didn't resonate for them, um, you know, but others have. So yeah, it really depends on, I suppose, what your interest is, your triggers are, so yeah. Cool. Let's talk about hospitality in general. So I'm, I'm just curious why this is the industry you've chosen for your life and your career and what it is about it that kind of keeps you here and loving it. Yeah, so I always say that the industry kind of found me. I didn't choose it. Um, I actually left college a year early and I moved to a different area. So I moved out of home when I was 15. And obviously being so young, I didn't have a driving license. Um, so I needed to find a job to support myself. And my only criteria was it had to be within walking distance from where I was now living. And I was living in a very small English village, so there really was not many options for me. I think there was like a, a petrol station, a hairdresser's, you know, a couple of pubs. So I had done some part-time waitressing before that. So I basically walked into one of the pubs and I just asked if there was any jobs going. And funnily enough, I remember it very vividly, like it was 
yesterday and uh, the owner approached me. I think he probably thought I was trying to buy alcohol, which is why he came up to me. Um, but he just asked me to come back and see his wife later that day who handled all of the hiring. And uh, yeah, I did that, got the job, started full time immediately. And um, I, I honestly, I can't pinpoint exactly when I made the decision that it was gonna be a career. Um, but that's all I've ever done my entire life. And as I mentioned before, I've worked, you know, in different areas of the industry. I've done uh, movie catering and obviously work in a lodge now, but I've worked in different types of lodges, in restaurants, in golf clubs. So I've, I've really experienced it all. But, um, but yeah, I love it. And I love meeting new people. And uh, I guess now I'm, I'm obviously in hospitality and tourism. Um, so that's really nice because you know you're dealing with people who this is often a once in a lifetime opportunity for them and they wanted to go on safari their entire lives and they're finally doing it so yeah that's really nice to be part so tell me a little bit about king's camp and, and what you're doing there and and what your role is and uh yeah some of the experiences you're having there doing that so I've been here for about six years and I am the assistant manager. So there's four of us that basically manage the lodge. Um, we have a team of 60 staff, so it's, it's quite a big team. And we have, it's basically, it's a five-star lodge. So we have a main lodge which seats 20 guests and then we have a private villa which seats eight. So it's not too big, like it's not a large number of guests. Um, and then we offer game drive so we are here in Kruger Park so out in nature all the animals roam freely there's no fences or anything like that so literally I could walk home now I'm currently in my office so I live here on site so I could walk home now and, and bump into a leopard on my way home like that's that's a very common occurrence <laughs> so um so yeah I, I really love that aspect of it and love just being in nature all the time um, what do you do when you bump into a leopard? <laughs> well, literally so, <laughs> yeah, well, what you shouldn't do is run. Um, there's actually a very good uh, safari book. Um, I don't, can't think who wrote it, but it's called Whatever You Do, Don't Run. Um, and it talks about different stories of people who live in the bush like I do. But yeah, you should never run because otherwise uh, the animal sees you as a prey animal. Um, and then potentially worst case also could come after you but that's very unlikely and uh, the best thing to do is to just stand still and then just walk slowly backwards from it um, yeah. so never turning your back to the animal and yeah never running away but uh, touch wood I've never had any real problems um, and yeah you know the animals also they know that we're not a danger to them they don't see us as food so uh, it's really not too much <laughs> what's the uh, craziest experience you've had in Kruger Park um gosh I've had a few um I, I would say because I, I rehabilitate animals as well um so I, if I have a, an orphaned animal or an injured animal I will look after it and then set it free again and uh, I do remember once I had two squirrels and they were in a box and we were sat in our in my lounge and I was 
just busy on my computer, so I wasn't really paying attention to my surroundings, but I just saw something out of the corner of my eye and a Mozambique spitting cobra, which is a type of snake, um, had come in my house. Um, and it's just funny, this is how my brain works. My first thought was my squirrels, my squirrels, because obviously that is food for this snake. Right. So I didn't really worry about myself or or anything like that, I basically just quickly got my squirrels and I went and locked them in another room. Um, and by that stage, I now didn't exactly know where the snake was, but uh, with some help from some people, we managed to get it out of my house. Um, so yeah, that's probably what comes to mind of just very close encounters. Um, so yeah. <laughs> wow, hey. <laughs> so what drew you to South Africa in the first place? What brought you over there? Coming from um, you, well, that's quite the lifestyle change. <laughs> yeah, very different. You can't get much more different. Um, but basically, I came on holiday. I think I was around 17 years old, and I just went with a, a partner at the time, and we did all the traditional tourist things that people do over here. And uh, part of that two-week holiday was three days in Kruger Park, so very close to where I live now. And I basically, it was like I was meeting myself for the first time I just felt like a completely different person and um, it really felt like home for me um, couldn't quite understand how or why back then um, but yeah it was just just an incredible experience and I immediately decided that I wanted to live in South Africa and move to the country even at that young age and uh, I think, you know, what it boils down to, I, I obviously love the country. I love the people. The people are lovely. It's lots of different cultures. And um, also the country itself is very diverse. You know, you can go to the mountains, to the beach, to the bush, you know, literally all within one day. It's, it's really special like that. But the main thing for me is the wildlife and the animals. That's what I truly love. And that's where my passion is. Right. What is the most magnificent animal to see for you? Which animal do you um, love seeing in the wild? Yeah, I guess that's a bit of a hard question. I think the cats are always very impressive. So like leopards and lions. Um, the only thing is lions, for example, sleep for like 20 hours a day. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So although they are impressive when they're up and moving around and they're doing their thing, if you're going to view them sleeping, then maybe not so much. Um, but other than them, probably elephants. Um, that's actually my company logo is an elephant. And yeah, I, I mean, they're just incredible animals. They're so big and they're so intelligent. And yeah, they, I think they're a bit misunderstood. Um, people are often scared of them just because of their size. And it's quite amazing just to be surrounded by a herd and um, they will communicate with each other. You know, they'll kind of make this rumble noise and you, you hear it and then they all just stop what they're doing. And it's like, they just, they go dead still. And they're obviously listening to each other and communicating with each other that we can't hear. And then all of a sudden they'll change direction or, you know, they'll, continue feeding or whatever they're doing so yeah they're just very special animals but I mean I could go on I could list like 100 animals right now for you and my reasons so um, yeah it's a difficult one 
you're talking to the right girl because I'm like huge animal lover. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm sitting here fascinated. So it's all good. I, um, I don't know a lot about elephants, but I read once somewhere that when another elephant dies, they all stay and like mourn the death of that elephant. And it just, um, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that it, that is like a, a very uh, present like indicator to just how intelligent these animals are because a lot of other animals, like some, someone in their pack dies and they move on. It's very instinctual and they seem to have uh, like an emotional connection to one another. Have you seen that? Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely, I haven't seen it exactly, but I've definitely heard about that. I mean, I know they have quite a close bond um, and yeah, they obviously are highly intelligent. They do definitely have emotions and the, they show when they're stressed as well. They actually um, like leak a liquid from one of their glands. Uh, so if they have been in a stressful situation, like one of them has died, or something like that, then yeah, you can see that it's, it's very present. And um, yeah, it's, it's actually amazing how once you know a little bit about them, you can kind of um, predict them in a certain sense and uh, yeah, kind of get an idea of how they're feeling with how they're acting. Very cool. That's very cool. Thanks for sharing that. I love that. I wanted to talk a little bit about COVID-19. <laughs> Things have been pretty crazy on my side of the world. And I'm not in a third world country. Um, so I thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about what COVID looks like in South Africa and what that has meant for you and the people and the people in your communities and maybe what some of the challenges have been for you guys. Yeah, so it has been very challenging. And um, our government put us in a very strict lockdown almost immediately. The majority of the country um, agreed with. However, there's a lot of things that have happened that they haven't fully agreed with. Um, the lockdown strictness was, I, I haven't yet heard of a country that was this strict, I could be wrong, but people were not allowed to leave their house at all unless they were going to a medical facility or to the shops. So they couldn't even walk around their garden and and go for a walk, even if it was just them walking or anything like that. Um, and that lasted a really long time. And they also, the government banned alcohol and cigarettes as well. So we weren't allowed to buy either, which is obviously more of a problem for some than others. Yeah. But um, that caused a lot of uproar. And obviously, it also didn't help as the industry, you know, the hospitality industry started to open. Now, the industry couldn't serve alcohol either, which is where a lot of places, you know, make their profits. For sure. So not only did you have your customers not wanting to come out because of COVID or because they don't have any money at the moment, but now they can't even have a beer with their pizza or whatever it is. So that was quite a big problem. Um, and also the other major issue here is that the government support fund um, for basically for salary for people who no longer have an income um, has been very erratic and um, so sometimes it's been paid out to people sometimes it hasn't there's been a lot of corruption within the, the actual system with where the money is coming from they've lost a lot of money 
Um, so currently what we've all been told is that they are looking into the corruption before they do any more payouts. So for example, here where I work, um, they have not paid out for um, May for some of us and for July and for August. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, everyone's in a different situation. Like, I'm very um, grateful I, you know, can stay here on site and I have my house here. But a lot of people are living in dire situations where literally they live paycheck to paycheck. So to not get this money from the government um, is, yeah, a huge problem. And now this funding has ended as well, it ended on the 15th of August, actually. So now we're moving on to a different system, which no one really understands. No one knows how it's going to work. Is there going to be any money left? So it's just really difficult not knowing. Um, and yeah, obviously not knowing if they're going to have money next month. And so um, I'm assuming this isn't new, this uh, political corruption, this, these issues. Um, no. What are some of the other things you faced in South Africa that have been challenging as far as uh, the government and the and the country works? What 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 causes hardship for you guys? Yeah, well, I mean, we obviously we we are in a third world country and we're on a third world continent, but South Africa compared to other African countries is not too bad. You know, we have lot of modern things and uh, you know especially in the bigger cities so we don't have it as bad as other places necessarily um, but just for example we are currently going through what is called load shedding so basically what that means is the we don't have enough electricity um, for the demand so what they do is they do this load shedding and it's done in different stages and they will turn the electricity off and they'll do it in different areas of the country so it's not like the whole country is off at once so you just have to check and you see when is your area not going to have power um, and this is obviously very frustrating for people just personally when you're at home and you know you're trying to cook food and and whatever but also for industries as well I mean, here at our lodge, we do have a generator. So what happens is the power goes off and then our generator will kick in um, nearly immediately. Obviously, that costs a lot of money because it runs on diesel. So when that's running, you, you're literally burning money. Um, but there's a lot of places that don't have generators, smaller properties. And um, I mean, just for example, I know a few people that work as bakers and that's their business, you know, they bake cakes and whatever. And you can imagine how frustrating it is for them. They have a cake in the oven and then, you know, the electricity goes off and, and now all of that product is, is ruined. So, um, yeah, it affects everybody in different ways. Um, and I guess the only other thing is just um, there's often uh, strikes and protests which are normally related to service delivery. Um, and I completely understand in some respects, you know, why you would strike if you're not getting running water, you know, to your house, of course, you're gonna be angry, um, but these are not always done in the best ways. And it also does affect industry as well, because if a road is blocked and, you know, you, you can't get your guests to you, for example, then that's obviously a problem. So, so yeah, it definitely affects us in many different ways. Um, 
and we just have to be as positive as we can and, and try and um, sort of push for change as much as possible. Right. What is the change you would like to see in South Africa? Yeah, I think, you know, just having sort of equality for everybody. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, we have people here that are very rich and then we have people here that are very poor. So, you know, having some sort of system to rectify that. I mean, it's easy to say, you know, obviously, um, I don't really have a political mind at all. In fact, if anything, I keep my head in the sand a little bit, being here in the bush and, you know, you don't have to worry about a lot of these things in a way. Um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, just having people in power that you can rely on and trust and, um, yeah, just listening to what, what people want really and what people are asking for, you know, focusing on education, obviously, and, and industry and businesses and, you know, trying to make sure the country is, is thriving on, on what we do best. Like now, I mean, our borders are closed and I do understand the reason why. Um, but at the same time, you know, we need tourism. We already running on such high unemployment rates that we, yeah, we need to get the industry going again so that we can try and rectify that. So are, are you open? Do you have guests within your area coming in or what's happening in the in the lodge right now? Yeah, so basically we are open. Most lodges are, but they can only obviously get local guests to come and stay. So for us, we mainly cater to international guests. You know, our price point is international and we have 60 staff, as I mentioned, we have very big overheads. So we have had to drop our rate drastically as most other properties have as well, just to try and get locals in. Um, and it's, it's great, the locals that can come because it's something that they wouldn't necessarily ever experience in their lives. So that's really nice. And we've had some lovely South African guests come, um, but we are only open when we do have guests. So like, for example, we're closed um, now. So our next booking is, on like the 15th of September. So that's obviously in a couple of weeks time. Um, so yeah, we just kind of um, trying to get people to come, but um, there's a lot of competition as well. You know, normally some people sort of cater their clientele's more the American market. Sometimes it's more Europeans and yeah, now we're all trying to get South Africans only. So uh, it's, it's definitely a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so wild. We are, so same kind of thing, like we're not really traveling. So I'm, I'm in Canada actually. So I'm, um, so Canadians are not really traveling to the US. Uh, Americans aren't really traveling to Canada and that's massive. Uh, this is our yes. summer right now, right? So, um, but we're lucky. It's a massive, safe, beautiful country. So they just get yeah. in the car and drive around, right? So, um, you know, yes, the effects of COVID-19 are affecting everybody, um, but people are still living their lives here and they are, um, they're doing the best they can with it, you know? And uh, I know there's lots of days that I wake up and I'm super frustrated because I'm in hospitality. So I know 
all of the things that are getting in the way of just simply being with people. <laughs> and for me, it's just people, right? I just want to, I just want to be with people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so that's the challenge for me. But uh, yeah, like I hear the things you're saying and that's, that's really, that's really tough. That's really tough. <clears throat> I have a friend that has a partner in South Africa too. She's in tourism as well. And uh, I think they're trying to get her to Canada if they can, because yeah. it's so challenging for her right now, right? So, um, but it's all about how you look at it too, right? So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we are in level two here now. So, you know, things are definitely getting better and people are being more positive. And, you know, every booking that we get, we're very grateful for. And I think everyone feels like that. So, uh, yeah, it's just sort of changing your mindset about it. We have a saying in our company, and it's that people make the world beautiful. And essentially what we do with it is we identify stories that touch our hearts through the hospitality industry and we share them and um it's been such a cool thing and uh, a really beautiful experience to be a part of that with you know there's 450 people in my organization um and just for people to come back and share these stories and share these moments in time has been so powerful so i started adding it into the podcast and it's been really really amazing so i was wondering if you had a people make the world beautiful story you'd like to share uh, with the listeners today? Yeah, so the story I have is actually related to my own personal experience. And um, it was my first full-time job that I mentioned earlier. And I obviously started when I was very young, but the employers there are really wonderful people and we're actually still friends today. Um, but they obviously saw something in me and thought that I would do well in the industry and they basically funded all of my hospitality related studies so um, I ended up getting a diploma in hospitality management and bar service and wine training and all sorts of things which they paid for 100% um, and yeah without them I wouldn't have a qualification because I did leave college early and what they possibly don't realize is I have told them before, but um, I wouldn't even be able to be in South Africa if it wasn't for that, because the qualification I actually needed to get a visa. And if I didn't have that qualification, I would have never been able to stay in the country. So it's quite amazing how that small thing um, really affected my life and yeah, has, has made it so much better. So I'm very thankful to them and really hope that um, more employers will do that and support their staff and help them study and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. They, they gave you uh, that leg up without even realizing it. I yeah. love that. I think that's awesome. So every time I do one of these, I do um, a lightning round <laughs> before I finish it up and I don't tell you these questions. Um, so okay. I ask a couple questions and they're just supposed to be kind of like the answers that come out of your heart, the first thing that comes out of your mind. So just real quick answer questions. Um, so the first question I have for you is what has South Africa given you that you are most grateful for? Probably um, just experiencing relationships with wild animals. Bit of a weird, weird answer maybe, but yeah, that's what comes to my mind. <laughs> that's very cool. And so um, 
what is the most unique wild animal that you rehabilitated at this point in time? Um, probably a bush buck, which is a type of antelope. So I think you would have deers, but yeah, this, she's an antelope and I've had her, well, she, she came to me when she was 10 days old. Her mum was actually eaten by a leopard. Um, and yeah, I raised her. She's now nearly four years old and she's pregnant with her third baby. So she's completely wild, um, but I see her every day. She comes home to say hi and see me. So yeah, the bond I have with her is something very special. That is so special. I love that. That like gives me goosebumps. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most meaningful uh, part or piece of the hospitality industry for you personally? What really moves you or connects with your heart? Yeah, I think probably just how the industry is like one big community and you know, everyone sort of helps each other. Everyone seems to understand each other, even though you might be in very different sectors. I mean, a restaurant compared to a lodge is obviously very different, but yeah, I just feel that there's a big sense of community. And, you know, like here in South Africa, we had protests, um, you know, to save tourism and that kind of thing. And, and everyone really banded together. So I think that's something very special that you can't say about every industry. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say I'm really grateful for starting to create this community with you as well. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah meeting you people, exactly. <laughs> you now have your Canadian community. Yeah. <laughs> We're really, really nice and polite over here. Oh, yeah. Well, I've never been to Canada, so yeah, it's on my to-do list. <laughs> my entire family, so I'm first-generation born Canadian, they're all Scottish. So I know your side oh, of okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in the cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. So if there was a message or something you'd like to say to our listeners in regards to hospitality or what you do? Yeah, I think um, I'd probably like to speak to people in particular who have been affected really badly by COVID, who have lost their jobs like many people have here, or who may lose their jobs and um, I'm obviously getting a lot of CVs in through my company of people and um, a lot of them are just saying look I just don't know I don't know if I'm looking for a job I don't know if I'm not so it's a really difficult time so I probably just say to those people just to stay as positive as possible and you know not to give up and that there will be another job for them um, and maybe it will be an even better job than the one they currently are in so yeah, just to stay as positive and know that kind of everyone is in this together, you know, worldwide. And uh, yeah, things will get better. We are in this as a global community and uh, we need to support each other and care about each other right now. Well, uh, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And uh, I, I'm inspired getting to know you a little and hearing your journey and your adventure. Um, I think you're doing amazing, beautiful things. And I think you are a kind and beautiful person, Haley. And I, I want to wish you all the success. And uh, I just want to say thank you. And I'm really grateful for you being here today. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, lovely to meet you. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Another week of discovering hospitality and one more amazing guest on to share their beautiful stories. 
Thank you so much to all of you, our listeners, for your continued support. The success of this podcast is totally because of all of you, and to that I owe my deepest gratitude. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. And as always, don't forget to rate, leave a review, and subscribe to this podcast. I love hearing your feedback. And remember, the world is always made more beautiful by people like you. Don't ever forget it. Until next week, take care, everyone, and we'll see you then.